The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Christine Lavelle is my special guest taking your calls on everything from miscanthus, strawberries and even rubber plants indoors. We've also got some top tips of things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Barbara in Colchester. Morning, Ken. Morning, Christine. Morning. Um, I've got a question about some miscanthus plants. I bought some miscanthus plants over the internet for a reputable supplier. Yeah. They've arrived in a nine centimetre pot. Yep. They look very healthy. They've got some growth on top, which is obviously dying back. But my problem is I don't want to actually plant them in the garden until the spring because I want to revamp some of the borders. Can okay. I overwinter these in pots? Of course you can, yeah, because if you went to a nursery and there were and miscanthus plants were on the, the bed in a they'd nursery, be in a pot, they? yeah, they'd be in a <clears> pot and they're probably not going to sell maybe all of them at this time of year. And then they will just uh, keep watering them, uh, cut them back and so on uh, if necessary. And then they would be for sale in the springtime. So as long as you look after them, if they get really dry during the wintertime, you know, just make sure that you water them. You don't have to do it very, very often. You don't have to. And then maybe start feeding them in the spring if you're going to start doing, if you're going to do a late spring planting which you might be forced to depending yep. on the weather you see yep. i think we always have should i um increase the size of the pot they're in or will they be okay in the nine centimeter no pots all over no the you, you, you don't want to increase because they're going to go into a dormancy now because they're a deciduous herbaceous they die right the way back and um, right. what what i would do is when you see it dying back um and it goes a sort of rusty brownie color you can cut them right off at the base you know just leave a couple of centimeters at the bottom and then just cut them off and that'll keep them a bit more stable in the pots but there's no need to pot them up because it's You've got to buy the pots and buy the compost and they're not actually going to root out into it anyway. Okay, and can I leave them outside or should I leave them in the cold greenhouse or conservatory? Well, you could do both, really. Um, not you, conservatory, possibly. No, not the conservatory, yeah. Uh, you could leave them in the cold greenhouse, but outside is absolutely fine. Right, okay, up against the, a nice wall for a little bit of warmth. Uh, not nece- not necessarily, you know. You could. They're tough. Yeah, they are really tough. They're a Chinese plant that actually grows yeah. by rivers. That's why. Right. That's why they can take a, a little bit more moisture. The mm. miscanthus and some of the other grasses that like it really dry. Okay. okay, that's lovely. Thank you so much for your help. Uh, it's a pleasure. That's Barbara from Colchester. We got a line free on 0800 111 If you'd like to talk gardening, uh, don't be. I said. While I was in the other studio with Ray, gardening does not stop in winter. Don't be fooled into believing it. As I said, some programmes will tell you they've stopped for the winter, but we never stop for winter because gardening continues, isn't that right? Oh, absolutely. There's always a job to do. In fact, there's more work sometimes in the winter than there is in the summer. Well, I actually say all the hard work goes on in the winter, like the preparation of the soil, the planting, and basically... Pruning. Pruning, yeah. And then you're just doing the maintenance during the summer. Bit of watering, bit of deadheading, Cut the grass. Yep, you've got yeah, it. It's the easy peasy stuff in the summer. <laughs> Mick in Braintree, what do you got for us? Strawberry plants, is that right, Mick? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I've got a lot of uh, runners taken in pots in the greenhouse. Yeah? Great. Yep. Is it too late to put them out now? 
Now, what did you take the runners and then put them in the greenhouse? Yes. No, no, I took the uh, runners off the plants in the greenhouse. Yes. Put them in the pots and oh, they're taken nicely in the pots. Oh, you grow strawberries in your greenhouse? Yeah. In the greenhouse and outside, Keith. Yeah. No, they could still go outside, couldn't they? Yeah. Christine? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No problem at all. It's, is it a heated greenhouse or a cold greenhouse? Oh, it's a gold one. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, because if it was a heated one, you should put it in maybe a cold frame or a cold area, but protect it for a couple of weeks before you put them outside to harden them off. But if they're already in a cold greenhouse, that's fine. Okay. No. All right. Yeah, thanks very much. Cheers. Okay, and I look forward to a basket of early strawberries from the greenhouse next year. Is that all right, Mick? Yes. Yeah. There's a deal, Ken. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much indeed. That's Mick in Braintree asking about his strawberries. Let's go to Patrick in Great Wakering. Hello, Patrick. Oh, good morning, sir. What can we do for you? Right, well, uh, in my garden, I've got a, a Victoria plum tree. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And... So some of the roots are starting to come through to my lawn, coming through up in my lawn. Now, what the, what I want to know is, can I cut them without that damaging the tree? Can I cut the roots out? <laughs> it's a sort of yes and no answer, isn't it, Christine? Yeah. Well, what, you, what would you do? Well, you if you cut them, you probably end up with, with some more shoots coming through the lawn. So, um, so how far... Into the lawn. Could you could you actually lose a bit of your it. lawn? Sorry. Could you lose a bit of your lawn, or is it coming right in the middle of your lawn? Or no, it's right at the side. Ah well. What I was thinking of could, doing. Could you extend your border just a little bit to include the roots no, that are coming it's, up? No, it's too far for that. Uh-huh. But what I was thinking of doing was digging all around them and cutting out the it root. And then getting a few sods and put a few sods down to cover to fill in the gap. It's worth a try. And it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting. You, a man talking about sods because yes. sods. It's interesting. That's a, a really traditional expression. Where are you actually from, then, I'm Patrick? Irish, Irish. That's why it's they're definitely sods in 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 Ireland, aren't they? That's yeah. Quite right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you're not going to kill your tree by taking a few roots out. No, so I won't kill the tree. No, no the thing no. that why what Christine was alluding to there is yeah. that when you cut suckers, which is really what they are, they're yeah. root suckers. Yeah. When yeah. you cut them, they regrow and re-sprout because we always advise that if you you should pull a sucker off the yeah. root, but you won't be able to, I imagine, because the roots oh. are fairly large. So you're going to have to cut them, and yes, they will re-sprout and regrow. But if you can get them quite a long way back towards the tree, yeah. you won't have yep. too much of a trouble. Well, that's what I was thinking of doing, and then I was going to get a few sods and, uh, you know, Pop lay them, them down and the gap that I've created. That's right. No yeah. problem at all. OK, sir. All right. Well, that's all I was worried about, if I was going to kill my tree, but no. you said it's OK. <laughs> it's OK, Patrick. Yep, right, you'll have plenty you of roots much, underneath. Sir. OK, the, isn't that lovely to hear? You don't hear that used hardly at all, do you? I saw, no, I knew what it was, because yeah. when we were training, it was a term that was used, but it's very old-fashioned. It's old-fashioned and very... Yeah. I think it was more Irish, used in Ireland more, more than more than in England, but I don't know. That was Perhaps lovely I'm wrong. Here. Good to hear. Eve from Harlow, what do you got for us today, Good morning. Um, It's just a curiosity thing, really. Um, I've got a a very large rubber plant uh, in my porch near the window. Do do the leaves move when it's cold? 
Move or lose? Move. And, and what way move? Do they do mean like? Do well, they? It seems to have pulled itself away from the the window. Uh, I have, I have, I don't know about rubber plants, but I actually have seen plants that a bit sort of uh, when when they're not happy, they sort of almost like drop, not not drop the leaves in terms of lose the leaves, change but, direction. Yeah, a bit. yeah, but they sort of like uh, move down south. Really, is that what it's done? No, it's, it just seems to. Have, it's a very healthy plant, actually. It's very shiny, and but it seems to. Have, it must be my glasses. It seems to have just moved itself back. Like you would if you were in danger, you would recede, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd yes, you would. Back. Is it a is it a small leafed uh, rubber plant or is it the one with the big leaves? Big leaf. It's the big leaf, Benjamin. Uh, not is it? No, ficus. Robusta. Robusta. Yeah. With the big, big shiny leaf. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I think. I have seen they're more, leaves. I they're have more seen turned leaves down yeah. rather than back. Yes. Are they turning down rather than back? Um, not really. They're just slightly turning down, but it's, it's this um, sort of um, distance that they've sort of pulled themselves away from the window. I've not heard of it before, but um, it's a yeah. po- it's a possibility. Yeah, is what well, you're saying, Christine? I've actually seen plants where they where they, it's almost like they droop down in, in the cold, and it's a response to the cold. So plants do respond to the cold. So if you see a and notice the difference in the leaves. That's probably, it probably has happened due to the cold. Plant of the week. Hamamelis mollis, or Chinese witch hazel, native to central and eastern China. You might guess that with a name like that. It's a large deciduous shrub, which, if left, can actually grow into quite a medium-sized tree if you leave it long enough. The leaves are actually a darkish green, they're wavy-edged with toothed sort of ceramita round all the way round. And they go a lovely yellow, a rich yellow in autumn. So actually from a, a, a plant that gives you lots, it's a great plant. But what do we really grow it for? Well, we grow it for the yellow flowers, yellow petaled flowers, ribbons they're like, nearly an inch long. Four stamens, a little shorter, and they grow in clusters late winter all the way up the stems of the plant. And there's a perfume as well. So they're a fantastic plant to grow. The seeds take an extra year to be produced and they're black. They're like black shiny seeds. These are produced and ejected from the plant. So it really likes to spread itself around. There's many to choose from. There's Mollis, a lovely yellow. There's Arnold Promise, another yellow, and a softer yellow, which is Pallida. Jelena, an orangey red, Diana red. And I tell you what, they're in great colours, so mix them up. But the yellows are often stronger growers. They like acid to neutral soils. They can put up with full sun, but possibly prefer partial shade. Any aspect but do not put them anywhere windy. They do need to be sheltered. So they are my plant of the week, Hamamelis mollis, Chinese witch hazel, box. Now, box has been... Oh, it's been in the news for a number of reasons. It, I have a border of box all the way round my garden path. It's not healthy. It's shriveling and lacy. Should I dig it up and find a new border? That's Sue in Benfleet. 
What do you reckon that sounds like to you, Christine? If it's lacy, it yeah. means they're being eaten, doesn't it? More? Yeah, probably by um, a caterpillar. And box caterpillar. The box right? caterpillar is probably the prime candidate. It's a candidate. bit of a devil to get rid of, because it doesn't it sometimes has three generations through a year, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it just sweeps through and can absolutely devastate, you know, a, a quite a mature hedge, actually. But they will grow back, won't they? Generally. Well, and generally they will grow back, but if it's a really bad infestation, uh, sometimes they, they actually die. Well, right. if they if they regenerate and then they get another infestation, usually yeah. they can uh, die after that. So a lot of people pick them off. There's no caterpillar at the moment. The first sign are we, what, April? April, May? Yeah. At the earliest? Yeah. And they're a moth, aren't they, actually? They're from a moth, aren't they? Yes. Quite yep. a pretty little moth, actually. Yeah. I mustn't knock it because it is a pretty little moth. Um, and you can use a couple of um, insecticides on it. You need a systemic... Something like a Bug Clear Ultra will work. You need to see the first signs of a caterpillar. And what you need to do, Sue, is in the spring, start to look for caterpillar. And as soon as you see caterpillar, yeah. uh, give it a spray and you will need to watch it possibly three times in the year because they come back three times. They'll lay eggs and reproduce up to yeah. three times i only know that from a garden that we keep an eye on and in fact we've been spraying that on a regular basis uh, and how's it working it's pretty well cleared them there's not i'm not saying it's clear yeah i, I expect I'm sure it'll them come to be there next, next year, year. Yeah. but the infestation has improved and these are yeah. huge box round balls you don't want to lose them because no. they'll offer worth, a maturity to the garden there thousands yeah. as well if you tried to buy yeah. them they're worth thousands so I've got yeah. a student at Rittle University College and he had some quite mature ones in his garden and he's just taking them out. He says, I can't be bothered spraying them. I thought, how could you do that? I couldn't do that. No, I couldn't I'd do that either. I'd keep trying to look after it, wouldn't you? But there's been so many problems with box, like box blight. Uh, it's been a problem for years now and in this area. And, you know, and so you just get over that. And there's actually... Uh, a new cultivar that's come out and the reason I know this, I went up to Levens Hall and that was my very first job after I left college, Levens Hall Topiary Gardens in, in the Lake District and it's full of box hedging because it's, it's a parterre garden and um, so they had box blight, they took all the box out and then they decided they were going to trial uh, some of the other plants that would, yep. that would do low hedging. Yeah, because so there's Ilex crenata. Ilex crenata was one of them, they did uh, Lanicera nitida, yep. uh, to name a couple there's a of couple them. of Lanisseras, aren't there? Yes, and then, there is. And Euonymus, there's some Euonymus yeah, that you can yeah. use. And so they trialled them all out, yeah. and uh, that was one visit. And then I don't think I went back for a few years. And then I just went back in the summer, early in the spring, and they said that they didn't like any of them. And what they've found, they've done a research, and they've come up with a, cu a cultivar of Buxus sempervirens, which is the box, uh, which is um, blight resistant. And I'm sure from memory, now, I wouldn't, this wouldn't be my million dollar question on who wants to be a millionaire. I'd have to phone a friend. Uh, but it, I think it's called Falk Falkland, like the island. Oh, like the island of Falkland. Yeah, and I'm sure that's the, the cultivar that they are putting in at Levens Hall. Now, it must be well researched because they've spent a lot of money uh, you wouldn't yeah. not do it would yeah, you yeah no absolutely not so, so they are people could look that up and yeah. um, perhaps uh, check that out um is there one that's resistant to blight now so some we learn something every day in gardening as i said earlier you did let's go to hello colin you're not in russia today then hello ken and christine no no hello. no no i shall be going out for christmas though 
Very nice too. <laughs> what what you got for us today? Ken, I've got two very large, about twenty five year old um, tree ferns, Dixonia yep. Antarctica, I think it is. Yes, that's well the one. Done, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the fronds on them are a meter and a bit long, and it's right next to a fence. And I'm going to move it. I want, I want to move it, but I remember when I bought it, it was just a log. That's all it was was a log. Yes, that's right. And kept it well watered. And I don't know, is there going to be much root ball on it? Do you think? There's no. They've got no root at all. Oh. They don't have root, basically. Um, but oh. I wouldn't move it now. That's no, too cold no. at the moment. It's, it's cold. I would yeah. move it in when you spring, the late spring, spring. Probably late spring. I'd treat it like an evergreen. If you're going to do your mm. evergreens, um, mm-hmm. you would you would move these in, uh, some people say April, even going into May. But April, I think, is a good time down here. So I would maybe oh. wait till sort of mid-April to do it. Oh, I'm so glad I found you because I was going to start moving it. Over oh, in the I'm winter. so glad you found us too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I no. You. I mean, how if, tall is it? Uh, how tall? It's about oh six and a half, seven foot tall. Is Impressive. It? You would you would have to pay a lot of money for that now. That's why you don't want to lose it. No. You've got to be very careful with that one. Mm, just yeah, make sure. Just make sure when you move it. That you you keep watering it and even misting it down and so on, just to because it's a, obviously stressful every time you do something like that. So just to give yeah. it the best yeah. opportunity. And you're not putting it yeah. in a too exposed position when you when you move it, are you? No, no, no. It, it'll be going where it's um, sheltered. It's going to yep. be sun garden. It's going to be sheltered. The trunk will be sheltered anyway from no. uh, from everything. But whenever I water the garden or anything, I always stick the hose on it on the trunk and everything. You know, so it's it's really done yeah. me proud. Yeah, it's keeping yeah. that. It's keeping the the trunk yeah. moist and the crown, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In absolutely. the summer, not the winter. Yes. But I've actually heard the people um, fertilising them by weeing on them. Have you? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'll give that. I'll, I'll, I'll give that a I'll miss. That give that a miss. Yeah. <laughs> give that one a miss. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot, Ken that's, and Chris. Ben. That's that's oh, oh, I'm so glad I phoned you. Well, if I don't yeah. talk to you before, you have a good Christmas in Russia. Yeah. Oh, cheers, Ken. You, you too. Know, you know what? You can always send us an email from Russia and let us know what's going on there. All right. I'll I'll do that. Okay, and Colin, <laughs> all the very best. That's Colin Harris. He's he's quite he's an interesting guy because he he he's got a garden here, and then he tells us things that are going on in Russia as well. Does he, he work is, in Russia then? I do you actually know haven't found out. No, I've just, <laughs> through the radio, he goes to Ru- Russia regularly on a regular basis. Oh, I'm right, not sure. Okay. I should find out, shouldn't I? Um, perhaps he'll let us know by email why yeah. he's in Russia. Perhaps he's got family. Or, I think he's got friends out there. I don't know. Lynn in Great Clacton, bit closer. to home but near Harwich aren't you so they are hello Lynn hello <laughs> good morning what, what you got for us today well when in uh, spring when the sap is rising when pruning a full scythia mm-hmm. I'd put large cuttings maybe one foot um, about a dozen in a pot that had another plant in and maybe one out of a dozen would take yeah um but and so you do. So you don't. You don't do the, the cuttings. The best time is not when the sap's rising. If you're going to do hardwood cuttings of them, you're better off doing them sort of like November 
October, right. November. So yes, I was it? just wondering that because I was thinking of giving a full scyther a bit of a prune, which yep. has already been pruned. Yeah. Um, so you want to take the know, big long uh, if you've got any new stems on them that are very tall and straight, but you know bigger than a pencil, but pencil straight, and you want to prune these out and then take them to about growth of about fifteen centimeters. Yes. You don't have to do them as long as uh, now. What's a foot? Sorry, because I'm I'm not really. Um, so I do them nine inches. Right. I used right. to always do them nine inches long, about that oh, long. Right. Yeah, you can yeah. do six them, to nine. Yeah, you can do them fifteen. Well, a metric, fifteen yep. to thirty centimeters is, mm-hmm. is ideal. And, yes. uh, and then put them. You can either put them in the ground. You can dig a trench, get a little bit yes. of grit, and mix it in. And then put your cuttings um, submerged about three quarters of the length into the soil, yes. uh, and have the tops poking out. And then you can yes. put these into the the trench at about ten centimeter intervals, and then backfill with the the soil that you've taken out the trench and mix that in with grist as well and so that would be good for hardwood cutting it'd be great to do about now you do it about now and you just leave them and they'll yes. be rooted by next year mm. i mean oh. you have, you can't lift them out in the spring because they won't no, root no. it no it's the following oh. following autumn yeah. and you've got yes. lots of forsythia yes i did wonder you know if i if i did that maybe yeah. a dozen have I'll yours one. have yours rooted at all or not they have yeah I just wondered if it was uh, right. But you were, say, of year but you were or... saying there wasn't it wasn't a great success. It was only one in was it nine? Did you say? Maybe a dozen. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. And that's the reason. <laughs> yeah. It's just the yeah. wrong time of the year. Pardon? Just you did it at the wrong oh, time of the year. Yes, that's all. Yes. All right. So sort of Novemberish. Yeah. yeah, so that's for hardwood oh. cuttings. But if you wanted to do semi-ripe cuttings, you could do mm-hmm. these in the in the summertime, round about sort of June, July, August, and you, oh, these right. are going to be quite short, ten centimetre cuttings, and put these into pots oh, on right. the windowsill. Yeah, okay. they need a bit of bottom heat, a bit of warmth around them to get them to root. Yeah, so look up okay. semi-ripe cuttings for um, right. an alternative. Okay, well, thank you very much. That's all right. You can expand <laughs> your your collection of um, forsythia. Well, Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Lynn, that's Lynn in Great Clacton, and we go to Alan in Chelmsford. Hello, Alan. Hi, Christine. Hi, Ken. And, uh, Christine, just to uh, translate for you, uh, six, uh, sorry, uh, 15 to 30 centimetres is six inches to a foot. See, so I was near Uh, enough there. I said six to nine inches, didn't I? Well, thank you very much. Nearly (laughs) there. What would you like to chat about, Alan, today? Are they, are they, uh, we're losing you a bit, Alan. You're driving, aren't you? I'm, I'm not a keen gardener, but right. I'm very fond of wildlife in the garden. OK. And I've always had a bird table, and I've regularly put about a pint of wild bird seed on the table every day, and it's all gone by the following morning. Yeah. I've now bought a brand-new bird table put it exactly adjacent to the old one and they're not eating off it. I've now, never heard I've, of that before. So you well, still, I've, you I've, still, have you still got the old one? Oh, yes, right next to it, yeah. Yeah, well, you see, they'll be familiar with it and yeah. they won't have any fear of the old one, so they'd rather go to the old one than the new one. Are you putting well, food, on, food on the old one as well? I'm leaving that bear can. Oh, really? They will get used so, to it. Yeah, they will get they yeah, will I mean, get used to it. I'd take the old one uh, away. Yeah. I, I, I have smelt the uh, 
It sounds a bit silly, but I have smelt the uh, U table to see yep. if it smells of any chemicals or anything else. But I can't detect any smell from it or odour at all. Yeah, it's just something foreign for the birds, and the, the, you're just a bit apprehensive of it. So Ken was just saying that he'd take the old table away and just put the old, the new one yeah. in, in in its place, and I, I think I'd agree with that. Okay, I'll do that then. Back to gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Christine, what you got for us? Well, I thought about doing planting some spring bedding in the garden. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought if you've got any bare spaces in the garden where your summer bedding was, you could substitute these for plants such as forget-me-nots, um, your double daisies, your wallflower, tulips, planting some tulips to give it a bit of height through there, a bit of colour in the spring. So it won't, won't look much at the moment, but it'll certainly come about and look good in the springtime, and then you can take that out ready for your summer bedding next year. Do you know you've moved on so fast, you're... Putting it in, taking it out, and putting the <laughs> summer bedding in. <laughs> but you can get them, you know, you, if you can't sow them now, so you'd have to go to the um, garden centre and buy them. And buy them. the plants. Yeah, and it's always best if you do it in bigger bulk. So if you can get these VACA packs or module packs, you know, in 60s or 12s, that's always good to give you a good impact in the garden. So they are a bit of extra colour. What else have you got for us then? Well, I thought about doing a winter prune, and we're actually doing that at the moment, on our hybrid tea and floribunda roses, as well as our budlias. So do you, do you actually, because I don't prune at this time of year, I top, is, it, is this a winter prune rather than a hard prune? Yeah, a winter prune is just a posh word for a top, really. Ah, right, my yeah. topping, is it? So what do you do to them then to make, make it and help the plant through the winter? Well, the budlias and roses that you've had in your garden, they'll still have the, the panicles from the flowers from the budlias and the big hips from the roses. And this time of year it gets really wet and, and windy and this, the, the, fl- the old flowers soak up the water and then they uh, move about in the wind and it can cause damage to the plant called windrock where the base of the plant uh, forms a bowl at the bottom, fills up with water, freezes and it can have detrimental effects on the plant. So if you remove just the tops of them, called the winter prune, sorry about that, that <laughs> uh, it stops the, the weightiness of the plant and it stops that uh, windrock damage that you can get. So that's quite important, isn't it? Yeah, really. Yeah, it's just it's just good practice really within the garden. And then we've talked about this many times before. You go for your main prune in March. They are. Thank you very much, Christine. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. I bought this tree ten years ago as a baby tree, and it's grown to about five foot half, five and a half feet but has never produced any fruit despite being a fruit tree. Yes, it is a fruit tree. What kind of fruit tree is it, please? Does it look well? Leaves do go brown at the end of the summer. It's the one we were showing that we decided was a quince, oh, wasn't right, it? Oh, right, OK, yeah. It's a quince tree, we believe. Uh, I was worried it may have a disease. Now, the only thing I would say about it, it had a lot of basal growth, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I would get rid of some of that mass of branches at the bottom yeah to thin it out yeah thin it out um there's not a lot else you can do is there 10 years should be producing shouldn't it it should be by now should be producing by now shouldn't it yeah but i think it's got too much bottom growth which isn't helping it get rid of some of that see whether you can encourage it to go a little bit higher and i think you'll find it's okay so they are that's answered that's heather 
has sent us that one. We'll go back to also, I don't know why it keeps opening that lovely picture. Um, it sends a lovely picture of um, a wisteria, which I opened a couple of, um, a little while ago, but we won't go there. Um, on that one, that was last week's or the week before. But anyway, um, hello and good morning. Betula pendula. Yeah. Purpurea. So that's the purple leafed. Yeah. Just a reminder, phone number 0800 Um She wants to keep it smallish and slender. If I buy a young one, three foot high or smaller, okay. could it be trained? No. I mean, but they hate being trimmed. Being, yeah. They? I mean, if you think about hedging plants, such as, uh, you know, you've got your beech and your hornbeam and so on. These are all plants that take to being pruned, you know, on a regular basis. And that's why the hedging plants. You never see an oak hedge and you would certainly never see a birch hedge either. And that's because birch and oak, they really don't like being pruned. So I would say, oh, by all means, grow it in a pot. But in terms of trimming it, uh, it certainly um, it, it wouldn't respond well to it. What do you think, Ken? No, I think I, I, I actually agree with you. I think yep. I think that's what you got to do, you know. I don't think you can do anything yeah. else to you. If you want I, something it's, to it's clip, not what you know, yeah, I wouldn't choose that tree. I know no. why, because it's pretty. Oh, it is pretty. They're yeah. a pretty tree, but they have to be left alone. You see too many of them, don't you, where people lock the tops off them, even oh, yeah. when they're 15, 24 oh, and it just looks and dreadful. They, not only that, they die. Yeah. They die backwards. Yeah. So what would you do? Well, I'm just trying to think of a slender, deciduous tree <laughs> that I'd put in a pot. And I, I, I don't know. Do you? Um, well, it depends on how big the pot is and how big you, you want it. I really like uh, some of the horn. Amalankia is, is quite a small one. Hornbeam, you said? Yeah, that I like hornbeam, yeah. There's a couple. Hornbeam's got that delicate leaf again. And it responds exceptionally well to pruning. They are. There's a couple for you. Hope that helps you. That's uh, Victoria who sent us a, a little note there. Uh, I must just come back to this one. This is from... Oh, where's it from? Um, <laughs> it's a bit long, but it's an email. Anyway, uh, now for the questions. This is from somebody who, who watches. This is Kalinda Smith. She's from the USA. Am I completely out of my mind? What would you plant in a front bed? It's because she's planting... Um, she's in... Um, I think she's in somewhere like Texas. It's very hot. And yeah. she's been planting... Uh, she's been planting David Austin roses, and I said they'll struggle a bit in Texas. Oh, won't they, they certainly it's will. It's too yep. dry. She said she's put lots of rich, rich soil in it. Uh, but what else? She's put uh, Texas sage thrives in awful soil. It is difficult to find stuff to do grow. You know what, do you know what's native to Texas? Come on, is Gora lined Hymeri. Uh, I can't remember the common name for it. Um, it's got little um, flowers that look like butterflies. It's in Beth Chateau's dry garden. Gora, G-A-U-R-A. Oh, Gora. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's my yeah. accent. No, yeah. Gora. Gora, yeah. yeah. Gora, it that, does tolerate dry conditions. Yeah, well, it's a native and of Texas. Al and it is, although it's grown generally as a sort of herbaceous plant, it keeps going and going and going, doesn't yeah, it? It doesn't it's die fantastic. very. So perhaps the, the lady, instead of um, going for plants that don't suit her soil and her climate such as the David Austin roses maybe she should go for more like the Beth Chatter mm. dry garden uh, type of planting so we've got Gora uh, you could grow Flomis that would work 
Is it yeah, Flomis? Yeah, Flomis. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a purple for one of those, isn't there? Yeah, and a yellow. Flomis Italica yeah. and Flomis uh, Flomis. Is it Purpuria or is it called? The, the, there is a Purpuria as well, and then there's. Um, uh, Flomus fruticosa, which is a shrubby one, and then yeah. there's Flomus russellina, which is a it's herbaceous, a herbaceous one. again. Yeah, and that just romps. Now away. that would tolerate, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. So I think you're trying. To, I know what you're trying to do, and we all love roses, but it's not the best place, possible best part of the world to grow roses yeah. easily. She's chosen them because David Austin says in the catalogue they're a tough old rose. Well, yeah. yes, they are, but they will struggle a bit, won't um, they? Yeah, if you'd have to have a proper irrigation system set yeah. up for something like that. Yeah. So they are. Thank you for your uh, note back because uh, we have a couple of few weeks ago we got we got one from uh, from there, from Kalinda. So uh, she's a podcast listener. Oh, that's and, great. And uh, you'll go to the podcast and find out a bit more uh, of the advice that we have just given you. So don't forget the podcast is available from about mid-afternoon. It's got some extra tips and advice and a plant of the week, etc. in it. So do listen out for that. But in the meantime, we're back to the phones to talk to Chris in Braintree. Hello, Chris. Hello, this is your friendly neighbourhood armchair gardener calling. Oh, hello, Chris. How are you? All right. Yeah. Yeah, not so bad. Good. Um, I've got I've got a proper question for you this time. Um, my nephew has got a small apple tree in his garden, which he planted about just south of two years ago. Right. Um, and now one of the problems I'm aware of is that it seems that he's overstaked it, so that when the uh, winds blew, we've had some quite blustery weather in the last couple of years. And it's kind of leaning over at a jaunty angle now. But I also suspect that he hasn't, like, dug it in sufficiently. I don't think he probably made a deep enough hole. Now, can I rectify this for him by... Would it be safe to have a go at digging it, digging it out and going How, a bit deeper? It's only two, two, two years. years. Yeah. Yes, you could. Yeah. And the, the mistake people make, and in fact, I, I know in certain situations, I even do this, so I'm as bad as the next man. What do you do, Ken? Is sometimes I still stake trees to the top. Oh, really? Yeah. And you shouldn't. You should actually stake at the base. And it doesn't matter whether it's a short yeah. stake only sticking out of the ground about a foot. Would you yeah. say, Christine? Yeah. It's about a third of the height of the tree. They are a third yeah. of the height of the tree, and then use a good yeah. tree tie, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make the roots grow without being moved, but giving yeah. the tree the flexibility of bending at the top. Yeah. That makes them stronger, doesn't and it? And the more yes. the more it bends at the top, the more root it puts on. So when you take the stake out, that it's got a proportion of yeah. root to equate to the the top growth that's moving about, and so therefore it stays stable. Yeah. I'll tell you something, Kit. This is really interesting. There's a guy called Derek Patch who was head of the Forestry Commission research down in Surrey, and. He came to give us a lecture when I was a student at Kew, and he'd actually done his doctorate, his PhD, on tree stakes, and this is where this information came from. And he'd done a whole load of, uh, quite a number of fields with different types of tree stakes, and then he went out and measured, you know, dug up the trees and measured the, 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 the root growth and so on. And he came up with that the best um, type of um, stake was the one that was a third of the height of the tree. Mm, that so would there, sound more sensible. Yeah. <clears throat> Because if you yeah. if you do stake it too high, then there's just too much support. You take it out, and the tree just, as you've found out, just goes uh, either to in the direction of the prevailing wind. 
So two years is not a lot of time. You could so just you could dig, dig it, it out. out. Yeah. And in fact, you're as soon as long as it's dropped its leaf, you can do it. Yeah. Right. So soon would be. Oh yes, um, yes. November. November is a great month a for planting. Time, yeah. And just yeah, when, when you put it back in, so if you dig it out and then you replant it, when you actually put it in, you're going to have to sort of put it in at a bit of an angle. It's really important to firm it in. So you do that with the heel of your of your foot and just firm it in around where you've planted it. Yeah. So I, I think he basically just dug a small hole, stuck it in. And, <laughs> and, and really important, if you've dug it up again, uh, you, need to, you need to restake it again. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just that we yeah, just not such a long one. No, just as we've described, third yeah, of the height third, of the stem. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. But I just wanted to make sure it was possible to do and safe yep. to do. And soon will be the time to do it. Yep, soon as the I'll leaf has it. dropped, yeah. do it. And that's the time. And in fact, it's a great time of the year to actually grow things, isn't it? Yeah, put yeah. things in the ground. The ground's still got a bit of warmth in it. Yeah. Although we've got frost, frost is on the top, warmth underneath. Yeah. So it works quite well. We're going to go to Beverly from Canoodon. Hello, Beverly. Hello, we talk Ken. Yuccas, is that right? Indoor, outdoor, where is it? Outdoor. Yeah, it's what have you done to it? It's foot tall. Uh-huh. Um, and it's got uh, four or five um, sucklings. Well, not, I don't know what you call them. Babies so, on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. How do I, how do I take them off? And do I take them all off, or just some of them? It's up, it's up to you, really. What do you want from your yucca? Do you want it to be a slender pole with all the top on, or do you want it to have a bit of bush round it? If it, if you want bushiness round the bottom of it, you just let the stuff grow. Right. It's not so, essential. Remo- you remove it. Right. So it's, it, I was going to say it's not doing it any damage. No, by none at all. Them grow. No, none at all. Absolutely okay, nothing. So I'll just leave it as it is. I would, and if it grows too much, just cut one or two off. Yeah. Okay. Can Some, I sneak in another question? And sometimes, just a point, sometimes they will have little roots on and you might better grow another one from them. All right, okay, I'll have a look. Look out for that as well in the spring. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask another question? Of course you question? can, Beverly, of course you can. Um, I've got a lot of... Um, juices. Mm, They're hardy fuchsias and they've got tremendously long stems. Well, yes, stems. Should I cut them off ready for winter or should I leave them and cut them in the spring? Yeah, I would would leave them now because they're They're flowering, are they still? But they'll offer a bit of protection. Mm. Where where have you got them? Um, Well, they're they're in the corner of the garden (laughs) next to the yucca. Oh, that's fine. Well, so just leave them because it offers a bit of protection and then cut them back in the spring. Yeah. I mean, I, I can put... Um, uh, yeah? The, 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 uh, the, the fleece? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't think of the word. Fleece? Um, do you cover them up? Sorry? Do you do you try and protect them in winter? Because if they are hardy fuchsia, they won't need protecting. They are hardy. If they're hardy ones, you don't need to yeah. protect through winter. But if you okay. leave the what what Christine's saying is that if you leave the top growth on, that does protect in its own way. Yeah. 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 
Okay. okay, fine. Thanks very much. That's a pleasure, Beverly. She's from Canoodon. We go to Barry. No, we won't go to Barry straight away. Barry, you just hang on in there with your daily question. 0800 111 Um Gene in Springfield says, Great show as always. Will it be all right to cut my lawn? Well... Not when there's frost on the ground. No, I mean, it's quite yeah. wet at the moment yeah. as well, actually. But it, as long as you, if you've got a free-draining soil and it's not too wet, put it on a higher cut at this time of Just year. So if slowly you've got low, take it up. Yeah. But and the then, answer is yes, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah, as long as it's not frosty or too wet. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips that Christine has for us this week. Yep, well, another one that I've got today is pruning climbing roses. It was a job that we always used to do round about sort of October, November time in the garden. The stems of the climbing roses, of the floribundas and the hybrid tea climbing roses, they're still bendable. If you wait till spring, they get really hard, and if you try to bend them round pergolas or up the walls, they tend to snap. So we used to do a climbing roses roundabout now. So what you should look for is your main stems. And then if your main stems are getting really old, have you got a substitute there, a young stem that's coming from the base that you could cut your old one out and then tie your new one in? So once you've got your main framework in, you have uh, branches coming out which are called laterals and you want to prune your laterals back to about two to three buds. And it really does take off probably more than half the actual rose itself. So it's um, quite dramatic, really, then? It is. It's quite, it's quite dramatic, but actually it can be quite traumatic if you're doing it for, for someone. I've actually done a rose for someone in the past, and they went, oh, I'm not sure about this. And I'm going, well, I am sure, because I've done it lots of times before, and it will be fine. And she actually wrote to me the following year and says, you know, this is the best my rose has flowered. And so there must be something in that that old saying about get your worst enemy to prune your roses because it just induces vigour, actually, good vigorous growth. So they are. That's a good one. And what else have you got for us? Well, this is a, a time of the year where you're sort of looking for things to do in the garden now. And if you've got a glass house, it's certainly got plants that house plants during the wintertime. This is a really good time of year to wash your glass house, to wash it, wash all the panes inside and out, get all the algae, uh, any whitewash, any shading that you've got in the glass house during the summer to get that off to allow maximum light penetration for the wintertime. Even if you're not, um, even if you haven't got any plants, it's a good time of year to do it because it's not going to get too bad before the springtime, and you've got time to do it now. I also, at this time of year, and we used to do this at the National Trust, we used to have a good clean through inside all the glass houses. We used to wash the staging uh, where the plants are on the staging. We used to wash all the legs of these. We used to clean uh, round the gravel at the bottom, tidy up the pots, because that harbours you know, quite a bit of mm. pests and disease. And it's just good plant practice, really. So it's cleanliness. It's next to godliness, absolutely. Right, I promised to go to Barry. Fancy Good keeping you, you waiting. You right? Fancy keeping you waiting so long. Nice to talk to you, Barry. No worries. And you, uh, Ken. Uh, my question's about annual dahlias. Now, I I had a packet of seeds with a well-known gardening yes. magazine in the spring. Um, oh yes, and yes. They uh, were sown and have produced some really gorgeous single dahlias of bright reds, oranges, and yellows this year. Yeah. Um, they've finished more or less finished flowering. I've dug them up. Um, I wanted to know whether I can keep them with yes, the tubers the yeah, same way yes, as I do the, yeah, ordinary, that, the old established aliens. Are they the coltness? What they call? They yeah. used to be called coltness, didn't they? Yeah, uh, they, they might be the ones that I've grown are the Figaro series. You got Figaro red, Figaro red shades, yeah, Figaro right, white. Is that, right. the is that the one? That you've got? Yeah. The 
right. Yeah. The answer is and yes, you yeah, can. can. Yes, yeah. they're just... It's, it's quite interesting because um, those are very simple... Yeah. I don't mean that rudely. They're simple. They give you lots of colour late into the season. Oh, the, the colourette types, the yeah. flower type. Yeah. They're very underestimated. Yeah. And, you get a and you get a tuber that you can keep and use next year. Yeah, yeah well, that's great. Because I think they were you know, a nice surprise um, how, how good they were, how, yeah. how um, strong, um, many of them, um, lovely bright colours and great for cutting. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to wear them again if I can. So I just was a little bit unsure whether the were yeah. the reason why they're, they're grown as annuals is is because it can be really if you want to do a big bedding area you've got to overwinter them it costs a lot of money you know they've got to be frost free and so on so they were yeah. sort of produced so that you could just get them get the seed and then sow them and then Enjoy grow them, them and then have them for the the season and then not have to bother about all the overwintering uh, process but I was showing students at Rittle University College, we had the Figaro orange shades, and uh, when I was doing this in the plant identification, I said, there's a couple of really nice ones in there, and what I would do is I would select out the really good ones, instead of trying to think, oh, I'll keep them all, because your, your house or your greenhouse would just be full of them in boxes, and just select out the really, really good ones, uh, and then that's how new cultivars come mm. about. So, um, So, yeah, that's what I would do. All right. Mm, excellent, excellent. I've got some seed left over, so I'll try that as well, see if it lasts another year. Yep, good for it. Thank you. OK, Thanks thank you very much. That's Barry from Langham, and we go to Maureen from Leon C. Hello, Maureen. Oh, good morning, Ken. Um, I've got a couple of questions, actually, mm -hmm. if that's all right. That's fine. Uh, one, one is a, um, somebody gave me some dahlia tubers uh, the season before last. Yes. Um, and last year they came up absolutely beautiful. Um this season they didn't appear but I, I came across the tubers the other day when I was digging trying to make a hole for a plant um, and I lifted them out they they looked to me as though they're okay but I don't know whether it's worth replanting them what I would do is possibly dry them out mm -hmm. turn them upside down dry them out for this winter and yeah. then start them off in a tray next year yeah. just put them in a tray of, of yeah. compost in the spring yeah. uh, keep them sheltered Mm. And then if they start to shoot, you can put them in in May. What, do, I, do I put some soil in the tray and then put Yeah, the compost, any any compost. Oh, no, while you're drying them out, just turn, cut them off and turn them upside yeah. down. Yeah. And then yeah. What, what we do there is we actually pot, pot ours up in May. So, yeah. so that's a, a good way of doing them in trees if you've got lots of them. But if you've just got a few, you could put them in a pot and... Uh, and see whether they grow. And just keep them indoors in heat. And as oh. Ken says, wait, wait to wait see if see. you get... Yeah. So would I cover them with soil in the pot? When no, well, you could put them in. If if you're uncertain of whether they're going to grow, mm. pop them mm. into just a seed tray, lay them in oh. there with a bit of compost round them, and oh. you'll see. If you see little shoots, then yeah. do what Christine says and pot them up and get oh. them going. All right. I see. I see. The other question, Ken, yes. is um, how to overwinter my geraniums because I lost a lot last year. And they're in troughs or pots. Where are you trying to keep them? Um, well, I thought I'd bring them into the conservatory. That would be all right. That should be fine, yeah. So all you have do to... I leave them in the, in the existing compost or do I need to take them no, out of that? No, I'd leave well alone. I'd leave them in their troughs, oh. reduce the watering down to nearly yeah. nothing. Yeah, that's yeah. the really key Nearly factor. nothing, yeah. but not nothing. <laughs> no, I know. I know what you mean, yeah. Very dry. Very dry, but no, well, not even moist, really. Just oh, yeah. nearly dry. 
Yeah. Okay. And would I have to cut them back? Only if they're very top heavy. If not, leave well alone till the spring. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. I clean them up. Clean them up. Dead yeah. leaf. Yeah, make sure because yeah. otherwise you get botrytis and things like that. Okay. All right. Oh, thank you both very much. That's really helpful. That's a pleasure. That's Maureen Leon C. And we go to Janet in Brentwood. Hello, Janet. Hello. I just wanted to know: um, uh, can you cut roses that are growing very tall, getting too tall, about six, seven foot high? down to sort of like eye level um what time right. of year and, okay. and can you do it only at the moment with these flowers you don't want to cut the flowers off i was going to say you should listen to the podcast because believe it or not that's one of the subjects we put onto the podcast but you better oh. explain that so this time of the year basically yeah. you can reduce them can't yeah. you christine you can down to eye level but then you need to be more severe in march yeah. don't you so november uh, is, a, is a great time for reducing the, the weight of the roses and things like your buddleias as well so uh, your roses with the rose hips it's going to get even wetter hopefully as the the winter goes on and it's going to hold a lot of moisture it's going to be really heavy your rose hips your old roses after that and so you can get wind rock damage where the wind takes the the weight and moves the plant back and forward creating a hole, a pit at the bottom of the rose which water collects in and can actually freeze and then cause damage to your rose. So you want to reduce the weight of the uh, of the plant so yeah. So if your roses, did you say they're about 6 foot? Yeah, 6, 7 foot high they've grown to yeah. now. Well you um, want to take, you just want to take, you can reduce them back to about eye level and just taking the, the, the old flowers and the hips off the thing is, they're still flowering. It's a shame to cut them off, isn't it? Well, it is. So, I mean, what you could do, you could wait a few weeks till they've finished flowering, and that would be fine. Oh, All right. OK. And, and can, can you reduce the size and, and uh, expanse around uh, of a Cianthus tree? Or I see. I see. Depends, on, depends on the age of the Cianthus. Yeah. How old is it? Very old? I'm not sure, because it's not in my garden, but... But if you did have to reduce it, the best time to do, I mean, they say after yeah. flowering, but actually I find May's, uh, so April's a really mm. good time to do them. And the only one, I'm not sure what type you've got, but uh, we used to have quite a number of them in a job that I had. And there's one called Impressus, uh, and Pudget Blue is one of the cultivars. That doesn't respond as well to prunings as things like Thursifloris oh. and, and so really on. Old. Well, no. If it's if it's in the way and it's it's out in the way and it's in the wrong place, you prune it lightly, but don't be too heavy. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, that's Janet from Brentwood with a call. Let's uh, do some of these texts. Um, I've not been able to cut my grass since September. Is it's about a foot long? Is there anything I need to do? Yes, cut it. <laughs> Who's that from? Sharon in Landon. Come on, Sharon. Find somebody with a strimmer, strim it, rake it all off, yeah. send, the, send the grass cuttings off to the council and it will grow green again fairly yeah. soon. But you need to cut it yeah. now. Don't have it over the winter like that because the grass deteriorate. will start to die out. Yeah. It'll die completely. You won't do it any good at all. Um, the blackbirds are enjoying my box infestation, but I think I'll <laughs> dig them out, out and use a more ornamental border. Uh, I think that's probably the only thing that's enjoying the infestation. They have really. I mean, 
Yeah. Well, we were talking about um, box earlier on, yeah. and we said actually, you know, if you really like your box, why not give it a go with spraying it yeah. before you take it out? That's what I would do. Yeah, that's what I would do too. Yeah. Yeah. So tr- look out for a systemic insecticide and wait in the spring. Go on, don't chuck it away yet. Remember, the blackbirds can still come back in between the spraying and pick off the. Uh, yeah. Or you can pick the caterpillars off and leave them for the blackbirds on the bird table. Now, Mick was telling me, because we were talking about, in our house, Mick and I, Mick Lavelle and I, yep. we have great conversations about gardening, and he was actually saying that there is an organic spray that you can use on this box caterpillar. I'd never heard of it before, but he was saying that, uh, that the, it's like a pheromone um, type of spray, I think. I haven't found the pheromone one. There is, there is one that um, you have to have a licence to still use. Oh, is there? There is that right. one. It might be that one. Yeah. Because I think I mentioned it to the mic on that one. Oh, so, right. So it's not available to the amateur I, market. It shouldn't be. Right, OK. It says that it's supposed to have a licence to do it. Yeah. You know, your ticket, whatever it is. Yes. PA1, PA6. Yeah. Yep, which is something that uh, people who are employed in gardening have to see they do it right. Right. Um, I had a Duke rose put in greenhouse for bad weather and died. Can you help me? Can you help me? Well, you don't keep roses in greenhouses, and that's why it's died, really, yeah. isn't it? It's too dry and it's too, too hot. It's too dry and it's too hot. Can yeah. you find... A, she can't find a Whiskey Mac anywhere. Well, I've looked in a publication called Find That Rose, which, if you go online, you can also find that, and it will give you a list of companies that still grow Whiskey Mac, and it's grown by lots and lots of people, so there's not... shouldn't be a problem. Um... Can I lift part of my rhubarb to replant elsewhere? Is it too late now? No, it's just ideal, isn't it? Yeah, as long as it's not too wet, that would be fine. Yeah. Lift it. My dad used to always turn them upside down and let the frost get to them because he reckoned that was better for them. Is that? Do you think that's a bit of an old wives' tale? Well, I've never heard that You've one. You've not heard that no, one? No, I've never heard that okay, one. Okay, <laughs> so we won't worry about that. Then. <laughs> well, the answer is yes, you can, and you can cut through the... Uh, you can cut through the rhubarb crown Absolutely. as long as you've as long as you've got two two heads on it. Isn't yeah, that two right? Two eyes, two. Two eyes. Yeah. Um, we'll nip back to the phone to Geoffrey from Rayleigh. Hello, Geoffrey. We'll quickly well, squeeze you in. <laughs> well, we're going to squeeze you in, and then I've got another couple right. of um, texts okay. to do. I've got some. I bought some croissants from a, a, a garden centre was closing down. They're the ball-shaped ones. They're in pots, like mushroom heads. Are they Koreans? Ball-shaped chrysanthemums, yeah, they're, are they they're, Korean? They're, they're like ball-shaped. Oh, you mean the whole head of the whole... Yes, the, yeah. whole, the whole plant with small blooms on. Yes, they're... They're, they're, they're beautiful. What, what do I do with them over winter? Can I reproduce them in the same shape for next year? And the answer, I think, is no. You'll be lucky if they grow like that because what they yeah. do is they treat these chrysanthemums with sprays to inhibit their growth yeah. to make them flower. Right. So, in fact, the answer is no, but... Is it worth keeping them as, and growing them as if sprays? You've, if you've got room, pop them in the garden, they will come up as chrysanthemums and you can enjoy them. What, just, what put, plant them now rather than put them inside somewhere? Well, inside won't look after them. You'd be better outside and you might lose them due to the weather, but you might not. It's a chance, but don't keep right, them indoors. So it's not, it's not worth taking, uh, putting them in and, and growing them on our stalls and taking cuttings? You might not be able to. I w- possibly right. I wouldn't do that. I would just you pop them in the ground. A, you saved me a lot of aggro. I was chucking uh, okay. in the ground and that's it. 
just enjoy them uh, I've got the Venus flytrap and they have been eating flies all summer now in the autumn there is a lack of flies what do I do to compensate it I haven't got I have got no idea do you know, Christy? Well, I'd maybe go out and catch some, see if there's any flying in some <laughs> spider web in the garden and then just take them and pop them in. Yeah, because that's you what we get, used to do. Yeah, you can get, um, uh, what do they call it, um, crane flies. Yeah. They're around still, aren't they? Crane flies. You could use them. Um, I don't know. Not very friendly, is it, at all? Uh, every year my potatoes get eaten by slugs and wireworms. Have you got a cure? Well, you can add, um, you can add, uh, you can add, um, slug pellets when you're putting your potatoes in the ground but it's not it's not the favorite method but that's about all you can do thank you very much for listening to the bbc essex gardening hour podcast if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave download this program and take it with you on the bbc sounds app if you had a gardening question and didn't get to us this week, why not give us a call on 0800 111 and be part of the programme next week. Well, in fact, any Saturday and every Saturday. It's in the morning on BBC Essex from 11 o'clock.